right, welcome back to Building a Fan of Podcast. My name is Alex Friedman. I'm a strength and conditioning coach out of Landau Performance in Denver, Colorado. With me, as always, is Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Phoenix, Arizona. And then today we have a special guest, Austin Yoakum of the Yoakum Strength. He has a podcast. He has quite the online presence. Um, and I've followed from afar for a long time. I've been a big fan, Austin. Um, and I was wondering if you could lead in with kind of your journey, your um, list of accomplishments, your resume, whatever you want to kind of go into who you are. Yeah, first off, thanks for having me here. This is Palm. Too. We, I was talking about we're both podcasters, be able to tell stories and just go through rabbit holes. Hopefully we get into something cool here. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm Austin Yoakum. Um, like you said, like have a podcast. Uh, I own a private gym. Just left the college sector in January. I uh, was at the Division One level coaching football at the University of St. Thomas before. Um, that was kind of my alma mater um, where, I, where I played football. Um, I was a Division Three strength coach before that at a college, uh, St. Olaf. Um, I was the high school strength coach and a private strength coach before that. So it's kind of like ding, ding, ding all over the yeah. place. I really thought I was going to do the the whole college sector world and really like climb the ladder there. And I really quickly realized that really wasn't my pathway and really was not <laughs> what I wanted to do. So I opened up a uh, Yoakum strength when I started working at St. Thomas and had the, I was kind of double dipping a little bit. I had St. Yoakum strength on the side. We we're working on just kind of building up the online presence, like working with this small group of athletes that we had on the side. And honestly, like I was able to experiment with all my athletes at St. Thomas. Like uh, the, the best thing about the college sector is you have a hundred uh, in football world too. You have a hundred athletes just right away. Like you have hundred yeah. athletes, hundred guinea pigs that you want to work with. And obviously you're not running them through just total random shit, but you have a hundred athletes that you're working with. We're in the private sector. Like if you start with a hundred athletes, you're, you're a marketing God, bro. Like that's never going to happen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we started with like four four private clients in my, in my like small 600 square foot gym. And then I had a hundred athletes to work with at St. Thomas. It was kind of perfect in being able to like pay, pay the bills with the St. Thomas. Um, and it, it was not a lot. You were not getting paid a lot, but you were at least paying the bills, keeping the roof over your head, um, and working in the private sector and kind of, and kind of going from there and building those two things up. And the private sector thing kind of got to a point where it was, it was functional by itself. It, it was kind of paying the bills by itself and it, it was doing more than that. I saw the potential there and I really saw the lack of potential in the college sector world. And I was, I was like, all right, it's time to make the move. Um, and some things happened at St. Thomas that I didn't agree with. And then we made, made the switch. So now we're full-time private sector and we're kind of rolling through there. Sweet, man. Yeah. Your online presence is bonkers. It seems really cool that, that you're able to keep up with all of that, but yeah, I had, honestly had a similar approach to you. I went through the college sector. Uh, we went to school actually at UW Lacrosse, so we were kind of okay. up in that Wisconsin, yep, yep. Minnesota area. We wrestled there, and then, uh, but yeah, I chased the college dream for you know a year and a half or two, and then I realized this is not fitting my mold, right? And especially one thing I wanted to ask you is, you have quite the unique approach to strength and conditioning. You know, it looks like you guys are always having fun. It looks like. Um, you definitely dial back on the sets, reps, military protocol type of stuff that that strength and conditioning is to so many people. And I was kind of wondering, like through your journey or as you developed there, what led you to that approach? How did you find your way to where you're at now as far as approaching each session or um, your methodologies? Yeah, I kind of I like telling this story because it is like sure. everybody looks at kind of the approach and it, it like I feel like sometimes they get grouped into like the the knees over toes group or like something like, like the woo woo, we like movement guru group. And it's like, 
I've been through like everything. Like um, when we were in high school, all we did was Olympic lift. I got my uh, clean up to like 350 pounds as a senior in high school, oh. just like yanking everything off. Like I was like, okay, this is it. Like Olympic lifts is the answer. This is like, this is everything. This is it. I'm the strongest in the Olympic lifts. Um, in my freshman year, I walked onto the football field at St. Thomas, strongest by far. And I, I remember this today. I always tell this story because I think it's very eye-opening. We lifted before we had practice on the day of camp. And I got done cleaning. I, I I think it was, I don't know if it was a max, but it was like 350 or 330 that day. Um, and I watched over to the right of me, this line, I was playing fullback at the time. And this linebacker, this short dad bod linebacker was like upright rowing, like 185, just gross <laughs> and like, try, like struggling. And it was 185. I'm like, okay. And this was like one of the very first days on camp. And he was a senior. And I was like, okay, like this is, this is going to be an easy cakewalk. Like I'm going to walk on this field and dominate. Um, and I met that guy in a hole and he laid me out, like absolutely laid me out. Like I was seeing stars and he, he just laughed. Like we hit each other on an ISO. He just laughed, picked me up. He's like, next time, brother. And I was like, <laughs> what just happened? And that was really like a really big eye opener for me is because I was the strength coach's favorite person. And this continued on with everything that we did. But I was always a strength coach's favorite person. And for the first couple of years of what I was doing, I was the sport coach's least favorite person. Like my freshman year, I specifically remember a drill where he's like, get him out of here. Like he's killing the drill. Like I, I was a drill killer. Like yeah. cleaning 350 pounds, strength coach's best friend. And I couldn't even do these drills because I couldn't move. And that was a really big eye opener to like, okay, I don't have the answers. Regardless of who's telling me I have the answers, a strength coach telling me I have the answers. They're telling me I'm doing everything right. But objectively, I don't. I'm walking on the field and I'm a seventh strength fullback. So that really opened my eyes to, okay, how can we experiment with some of these things? So I started experimenting with a little bit of West Side. And I was like, okay, now I'm feeling a little bit better. And honestly, like most of it was just like compressing the spot. And West side sounds like a lot of compression, but it was less compression than what I was doing with Olympic lifts before. So it was like even oh, less. Shit. So I just started to feel just a little <laughs> bit better. And then from West side, I went to DeFranco and that's even less comp compression and just a little bit more movement. And then it was triphasic, but I was trying out all these things, throwing my body through the ringer, progressively getting better at football. And most of it was just surviving my own stupidity, honestly. But um, <laughs> going through that journey of realizing like every single time somebody tells you this is the answer, somebody tells you this is a system and you walk out and it's like, is this making me better at my sport? <laughs> no, like I, I do all the right things. I'm doing, I'm grinding. I'm throwing my body into the grinder. I step onto the field. And I'm watching this guy that I know didn't work out all off season that I know. And he sees the game slower than me. He plays football better than me. Okay. So what is my goal? And that's something that I think we get lost in a lot. And I was getting lost in myself because I was like, I was starting to train to train, you know, like I was starting to just train to squat more. You know, I was oh, not yeah. I was not training to get better at football. And once I made that realization, that's like a lot of athletes like they get start to get butthurt. It's like that guy's just genetically gifted. They, like, yes, like there is genetics. There is this. But like you are also training to train because that's your ego. Like that's where you win. Like that's where short guys like mm -hmm. me, like short stocky guys, they, mm -hmm. we start to win in the weight room. That's where we can start to win. That's where we can start to be winners and we build confidence and all that is great. But is your goal really to become a better football player? Is your goal really to be, become a better athlete? And if it is, then you really got to switch your approach and stop saying you are grinding when you're not grinding. You're just doing things you're good at. So that was kind of the the journey there. Sorry, long rant there. But it, it was very wow. eye-opening of like understanding like what I was doing was not working. So why am I swearing by that? And it, like you see it all over the place. You see it all over the place in our field. What we are doing is not working. It's leading to injuries, yet we can. it's leading to not performance. It's leading to athletes not feeling good. Why do we swear that we have the answers? Like, there's so many coaches yeah. that swear we have the answers. And it's like, it's so blatant to me that we don't have the answers. So first step, because I'm not saying I have the answers either. I am not saying my process is the answers. What I'm saying is I don't have the answers. Like one of the few coaches that is out there that it will say like we don't have the answers. So now we can explore with things. Now we can get into that more creative approach that... um really will open some of the doors for people that are way smarter than me to be like, okay, 
we can explore with some of these things. We can experiment with some of these things. Hell yeah, man. He's hit on two really good or really big points that I, I try and implement in my practice, but I just saw in, uh, in your journey as well, or what you just described is like, there's a huge important of like training yourself as a strength coach or as any coach, right? You learn through your own journey and then you're going to practice based on the lessons you learned about yourself and how you go through. And, uh, again, I think, I think I like, cause I had a similar uh, approach as well. I was the best guy in the weight room and then come push, come shove on the wrestling mat. And there's guys that moved a lot better than I did. Um, but I think the other point you made that's even a bigger point in strength conditioning is sports performance. I know Austin's in the healthcare realm of everything too, is like, is the honesty, the honesty of your approach that like, we don't have the answers. You know what? Like, I think this general protocol works. It's been proven to work. We're going to do that, but there's a lot of wiggle room for something that can be better and can help you perform better. Um, rather than, like you said, just stroking the ego of like, I'm grinding. I'm working so hard. It's like, no, you're just doing the stuff that you're good at and that you want to do. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool too, because from the healthcare side of things, every single time somebody goes into healthcare for sports performance, typically it's because they were failed, right? It sounds exactly the same thing for you, Austin, that you, it almost, not that you were failed, but you're like, this is all the different things that were compressing my spine. And then I did, I did a little research before the podcast and I saw you had in your bio, you said you had a, a disc herniation when you were 15. Yep. Yep. And that's what kind of led you down this road. It's it's almost like everything that kind of fails you builds you to this point. But you picked what you wanted to do for a profession because you wanted to help people and try to put the pieces together. In healthcare, a lot of the times people come to us for the answers. We don't we don't necessarily have them. But what we can do is exactly what you're doing. Where I love your approach. You do so much gamification in your in your different exercises, or at least when I would look at your Instagram, it seems like there's a bunch of gamification. That's something that's only going to propel us forward. That's going to get more people involved with strength and conditioning. It's going to get more people involved with trying to train physical skills, not just do their sport practice. And it's going to progress all of the fields, healthcare, strength, conditioning, sport coaching in one direction forward, where the more fun people have, the better they're going to perform. Every single study shows it. So why don't we bring it in to exactly what you're saying, the training realm and take away the stuff that just fucking isn't working. Like some stuff just isn't working. We're just doing it to do it. Like loading up a heavy barbell back squat and just sticking your ass out, keeping your chest high and just squatting down. That's just not fucking working. So why don't we change the different elements around it and then get people more involved and try to train those different athletes in a way that's going to benefit them as a football player, as a wrestler, as a fighter, which is what we're all about. Because we don't currently have a, uh, a model of quantifying that for a sport coach or something that's going <laughs> to give us a right. pat on the back. And that that's that's like 90 percent of it. It's like we I, I, when I really started getting like the skill acquisition part or like something like a differential learning approach or a constraint led approach or something like that. I started to tell these coaches, started to show them the studies, started to show them this is what our goal is. And every single time it's like they would like get all hyped about it. Cool, cool, cool. But at the end of it, they're like asking for Excel sheets, like Excel sheet. Can you show me how much? Can you show me how much faster? Can you show me how much weight they added? Can can you show me this? Can you show me there? Like by the end of it, like especially when we made the division one jump, they like we're doing wingspan, we're doing wrist size and all this stuff. Yeah, metrics. Yes, they're good. But it's like, can they play football? Um, yeah. And we don't we don't have a metric to other than actually like just taking it and being like, OK, they can play football. They can't or we're watching them on the field and yeah, we're spending time in what is hard and what is messy. Uh, they want something clean. They want, they want, they literally want it color coded green. This guy's doing it. This guy's, but it's <laughs> like, it doesn't correlate to anything on the field. So we don't currently have a method in which that's going to show it. Like it looks messy. It looks gross. It looks like they're just scooping around. Um, rather than when we're loading up the barbell and we're screaming and we're doing this, we can give them clean Excel sheets. And that's who's writing our paychecks right now, which is one of the big reasons why I wanted to go private sector is 
I, man, if you don't want to be here and you don't want to be in this mess, I do not care. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not dealing with those Excel sheets anymore. We're not doing like, I'm going to give you stuff that I actually believe in stuff that I actually thinks works. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like yeah. I talk, talk, talk about selling the poison a lot. Like we sell the poison so much. I just remember when, uh, in this college sector, like it's like, we just, they, they just needed answers. We were talking about like a, our, our volume of practice was ridiculous. Like we, we came back from COVID and we just massively spiked them. And I told them before, I'm like, do not like, don't spike them, man. Like there's, there's some of these kids, like some of them have been working out, but it's like some of these kids we haven't touched in literally like a year. Uh, and I know some of them haven't been working out. Like if you do this, you're going to have knees, you're going to have hammies, you're going to have ankles. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we spiked them. We had knees, hammies, ankles. Um, And then some of the other ATs and PTs were like, okay, like, okay, we got this answer. And they started bringing in Theraguns. And like, like, I'm not saying everything is like BS with Theraguns. Like you can use them, whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, that's not the point. The point is our answer was something that was going to be hard, which was cutting back on practice or looking at our practice, looking at something that's messy, looking at that. And that like, that is the real answer, but it's hard. It's messy. Uh, you have to talk to a, str- a sport coach. You have to change their mind. You have to tell them why. Or or you have this other end where you're still going to get your paycheck and you can just give a sport coach a magic bullet. And the magic yeah. bullet is the Theragun right now. Before it was foam rollers. Before that, it was yoga. Like, we just continually add things in to give them the magic bullet to keep getting your paycheck over and over again. Uh, and, like, at some point, somebody has to draw the line and be like, I'm going to have the hard conversation. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this um, because it's what I believe in and it's what we're seeing. And there is no magic bullet. But most like psychologically, like most people don't want to do that because you're going to you one you're dealing, especially in a sport world, you're dealing with a bunch of alpha males that want like they want quick answers. They don't want anything messy and they just want rah rah like, you know, like they, they want that quick thing. So if you give it to them, you're going to get that dopamine rush of them. Oh, yes, this is the greatest thing ever. You feel like an awesome coach. You feel like an awesome PT. You feel like an awesome AT. Whereas if you give them a complex answer or you put a little bit of that weight on them, they will not give you that response. And then psychologically you're in that, you're in that kind of dumpster of like dealing with that. So like a lot of people, it's just easy answers to super complex problems that we're not, that we don't want to look at. Well, they they don't, they don't want to put any work into it. No, not, not everybody, but they don't want to do the work. Like, like I get that all the time. Everybody, I don't have a Theragun. I don't even own a Theragun, but they come to me and they're like, Oh, just dry needle away my hamstring pain. And I'm like, well, that's cool. That's great. But What's actually going to help you is, hey, we should probably focus on breathing a little bit. We should probably focus on loading your hamstring a little bit. We should make you actually use it and not just be a fucking walk on your toes the entire fucking time. <laughs> and But they don't want to do the, the, I mean, really months of work to actually kind of fix the problem. They just want a little Band-Aid versus actually trying to solve a problem. 100%. Yeah. And I'm kind of also some, I study like sports psychology, sports sociology was something that I really got into a while back. And like, exactly. You said, we got like a bunch of alpha males that want the easy answer. And the easy answer is like, how did I do it? Or how was it done that I've seen it done? And so they repeat that and regurgitate that, which is going hard and just honestly murdering athletes. And then the other thing in the back of the mind is like, it's such a cutthroat field. If we don't win, we don't get paid. If we don't win, I get fired, et cetera. And so how many of those decisions come from like just a place of insecurity? It's like, I got to work these guys to the bone and it comes in fighting and in, in fighting and mixed martial arts. It mostly comes from ourselves, but it's like, if I don't work to the bone and nail and I don't go hard, then I'm not going to win. Then I'm not going to get paid. And so it's like this just downward spiral of insecurity. It's like, we're going to kill it because that's the only way that I know how to work and I'm going to grind. And so we say it all the time. It's like, let's work a little smarter and like accept that we don't have all the answers and try and find a new way and find a better way, work harder rather than just keep putting our nose down and working harder, which there's a time and place for working hard. We can assess that all the time. 
but why can't we try and find a way to do better? And that's uh that's one thing I was listening to your podcast earlier this week with uh was it Sam Quest was his name or what was Yep, Sam West. Sam West, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, can we do better? You know, and I thought that was a like you said, kind of a profound question. It's like, how do we do better? Like, let's explore that avenue right now rather than just go with the tried and true but failed method, you know? Mm-hmm. And Austin mentioned earlier talking about the failures and how that's usually eye opening for most people. And this is where it's like it, it is tough. If you do take a step back, it is tough to fault a lot of strength coaches, because if you look at the majority of strength coaches, they are super short, wide, compressed athletes. Um, so like their their strategy is compression and it worked for them like it, it worked for them. That is why it's tough psychologically. It did work for them. And if the if that coach is not able to take a step back and be like, OK, not all athletes are like me. OK that worked for me and it might work for four people in this room, but it's not going to work for everybody else. That's where it it is. Like it is a psychological play because it's like that strategy does work for some people. It does work like compressing me usually does work for a lot of like, I can compress myself much more than let's say my girlfriend, who's like a long elastic athlete and it's going to give me better results. So if I start to do that, and I've caught myself in this before too, like especially early on in my strength coaching years, like it is like, okay, I'm seeing results. Why are you not seeing results? And when you see results personally and you have that right in front of you and you know you're trying, you can just look at the other athlete and be like, okay, they're not trying, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like you're just taking that one option to to this complex movement. Like there's so many movement solutions to the the movement problem, but that one movement solution works for you. And now it's just like, okay, how how are you faulting that? So it's like for me, it really is just taking a step back and looking at, okay, it did work for me, but it's not working for the athlete. And at some point you have to take ownership of that. Like, I think that's a big part. Like you have to take ownership of that and not put it on the athlete. Cause that's all it is. It's like, they're not sleeping hard enough. They're not trying hard enough. It's like, you are the coach. Like you're in charge of leading these 14 that like, I've seen 14 year olds blame for not like eating enough, not sleep. It's like, most of that's their parents, bro. Like, what are you talking about? Like it's your program. Like you're the coach understand that just because a movement solution works for you does not mean it's going to work for everybody or it just because the movement solution works for you and four others that are grinding in here does not mean it's going to work for 30 of them. And for the people that it doesn't work on, and they're probably the exact opposite body build of you, they're probably much better athletes than you. Like, why are you trying to use your movement solution of the slow compressed athlete on the beautiful gazelle that you have in front of you and then faulting the gazelle, you know, like (laughs) fault the ox, fault yourself, like understand that's where it is then stop faulting the gazelle and use the gazelle in the way that the gazelle's meant to run, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I, I love that approach because it, it's variable, just like a human's variable, just like athletes are so variable. Like I'm on staff with another one of my coaches, Atlanta Performance, and he he's such the opposite athlete to me. Like I'm the wrestler grinder. Like I love being in like the lactate phases of things and the, the capacity type of place. And, you know, he's straight, fast twitch. He likes to sprint. He does this and that. And like, he, we've had multiple conversations where his priority in coaching, it, it seems to be movement, right? It's like, how can we move better and run through the field or shuffle or, or get on field more? And it's like my whole strength leadership career, I've been taught, you know, weight room first, strength is king. We got to get under the bar, stuff like that. And so like, it, it helps me to question that and really contemplate and like, see that there are a lot of different approaches to training multiple different athletes. Um, and so one thing I wanted to ask you too is like within session or just in general in your your coaching approach, what are some of your biggest priorities? Like if there's an athlete coming in, it's like, all right, we need to accomplish this within the session and we're going to do it like via 
these values or these goals in Yoakum Strength? Yeah. Uh, so th- there's a lot of ways for us to go there, but we really right. want to add a bunch of movement tools to their movement toolbox. That's probably if we're going to look at it like number one, like where I see most most kids missing is they don't have enough armor, uh, like real armor in like the hips, the foot, the feet, like um, the shins, the, the ankles, the shoulders, like the, the armor is missing and they don't have a ton of movement tools in their toolbox. So they, they, they have one solution to the multi, like a bunch of problems. So we work on adding movement tools in and that, that, that comes in a way of um, moving their spine, rolling, gymnastics, falling, getting up off the ground, um, sprinting in a hundred different ways, um, juking people out in a hundred different ways, adding, putting them in a bunch of different game-like situations. If it's a throwing athlete, we're going to throw off all platforms. If it's um, an athlete that is required to hit a ball, we're going to hit off all different platforms, allowing them. And, and this is a big thing. It's like these athletes right now are so restricted. They, it's like this technical model that we implied put on them. It, it just destroys their freedom of movement. And you just see these athletes come in, they run a certain way, they jump a certain way, they lift a certain way, and they're robots. And the psychological, it's like totally just takes the, takes the ape brain, which is the athletic brain of us. Like our, our cognitive brain is great for these conversations, great for processing this stuff, great for writing poetry, great for reading. It sucks at sports. And if our goal <laughs> is sport, and that's, I'm not saying we don't develop that side. Like I, I hate having meet uh, conversations with athletes, but the ape, like we try to race an ape, we try to fight an ape, the ape is going to destroy us. And that's our <laughs> descendant. So like, let's get more back into that ape brain. Let's allow the athletes to like, just breathe, man, like take yeah. a step out. I don't need you running a certain way. I don't need your knees at a certain angle. And one of the best ways to do that is like sprinting is a really, really good one. Put something in their hands, put them in an awkward situation, have them roll before, roll before they do it, have them hurdle something. Just take the brain out of it and watch how much faster they get. Watch how much more like loose it is. You have an athlete just run a flying 10. They're going to run flying 10 just the way they think you want it to look. But it's going to like, it looks like a robot running and it's always slow. It's always stressed. They're always looking to you for advice. It's like, man, I'm going to put like shake weights in your hands. I'm going to, I'm going to put something in your hand. I'm going to have you race somebody. Like when that happens, you never run the same way you run like the ape brain allows you to do. And doesn't mean there's not things that we can work on or fix, but like, let's do that through a constraint led approach in which we're not just telling them to do that and trying to bring this modern brain into like this prehistoric movement. Like, We've sprinted. We've sprinted since the dawn of time. And you're telling me like we don't know how to do it. Like if, if a kid, like if these kids, if these kids ran like they do now back when lions are chasing you or you had to run up a tree, you had to do something. You were screwed, man. You were so dead. Like your, your, yeah. your gene pool would not advance at all. But you're telling me they don't know how to do that. Like that, that's BS. Just let them do it. Like let them run. Let them sprint. Let's let, let's teach them how to do that. Like get them out of their own brains and let them do it. Like you are ruining them. You are selling them poison because you want to be needed. That that's like that. That's the big thing as a coach. Like you want to be needed. You want them to look to you. Like I, I catch myself with that before, like, especially when I was like uh, the young, I'm still young, but early on in a coaching career, like you like when coach, like the kids are looking at you, like when they're asking yeah. questions, you like when like you, and you had that position of power, you feel important, but it's like, that's that's not that's not helping them like that's not going to help them. So allowing them to have those movement toolboxes, allowing them to get inside an ape brain, allowing them to be comfortable in that ape brain. That's a huge conversation that I have. I put I push a lot of reading in, um, onto our athletes like the inner game of tennis or uh, how we learn to move or um, there's an art, the Zen of archery, um, all books that just like basically say, like, just put in your head what you want to do and then do it. Like, don't don't mm-hmm. think about how you're going to do it. Just put in your head how you're going to and then do that. Like, that's what I see our environments do. 
We just allow them to repeatedly do that process, repeatedly allow them to put something in their head and just allow them to do it rather than put something in their head and then tell them how to do it. Because if you repeatedly do that, you repeatedly learn how to get into a flow like state. I don't even want to call it a flow state because it's your natural state of being in movement. Just allow them to do it, allow them to explore, tell them, like, give them that freedom for the first time in their lives in an athletic movement since they've been maybe on the playground. And now that kids don't have that playground time, like even that's taken away and just watch what happens. And once they get comfortable in that process and they understand that process and they're not stuck in this technical model, so much freedom comes to their movement um, and they start to solve movement problems in a a multitude of ways. Well, I think that's the perfect way to describe it to a strength or to a skill coach, though. Exactly. Uh, if I could just take that little clip and just send that to all the skill coaches, that's how you describe wh- how to do a constraints led approach, how to do a gamification based approach. Playing tag is so beneficial for the football athlete or so beneficial for the fighting athlete, even because you get to understand movement. You get to see what their movement strategies are. Like I, I'm a sports chiropractor, but I do a lot of my athlete strength and conditioning as well. That's I kind of combine both. And I've had to describe like, Hey, spike ball is probably one of the best things you can do for a warm-up for, for a fighting athlete. You got to be agile. You got to move left to right. You got to be able to have dexterity with the upper body, but explaining that to a skill coach and why they need to do that before a striking practice, that's going to be what actually gets it in. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about it's, it's just getting them to understand all of these different movement variability situations and making them robust. Cause at the end of the day, our job as a strength conditioning coach is to make them as robust as possible. At least in my lens, I like to build thresholds, make them extremely robust and trying to decrease their injury prevalence while trying to increase their overall capabilities of performance, right? That that's the job. If I can get them to be more robust and have a greater movement strategy through all the different lenses that you just talked about, that's going to make them a better athlete point blank. If they can move in different situations, that is going to make them a better athlete whether they're a pitcher where they're locked into kind of one range of motion or a fighter where there's a bunch of different variables at play. Yeah. Open and kind of Pandora's box again, outside the box and strength and conditioning. I don't know. Or, I mean, I do know, but strength and conditioning came from such like a regimented militaristic, like looking organized earlier when you said it looks messy and I've never met a skill coach that likes things that look messy. You know, I've worked for multiple football teams and it's like, but it's got to look good. You know, you got to bring intensity away and we got to be the juice man, hype man, whatever. And it's just like, that's not accomplishing our end goal. And that nor is that who I am. So I don't want to coach like that. I don't want to kind of put on that facade. Um, so I, I love what you just said about the eight brand. And I think you, like Austin said, you packaged that uh, constraints led approach and the, the opening to movement variability, which we've called like a movement vocabulary before as well. Um, you also mentioned some books and some different ideas that you get into your athlete's head. And I was wondering what are some of the most beneficial ideas that that have led you down your coaching rabbit hole or that you try and communicate to your athletes in a sense of like, I know you've told the story of the flood before. I know you told um, you got the keep chopping wood as part of Yoakum strength. Like what are some of those most beneficial, like philosophical ideas or just um, different ideas that you try and communicate to your athletes. Yeah. So I think physically it is probably, if we're going to go physical to start, it, it is probably that differential learning approach and just like, just having them understand it. Cause it, a lot of, for a lot of athletes, that's the first time they've heard of anything. It, it, like everything they've gone to a coach for has been for a technical model, like a strict technical model yeah. and having them understand just for the first time, like, Oh, like everybody does everything differently and it's more about the result rather than the process of how you get to the result. That's super freeing for, for a ton of athletes. Um, and then uh, like a big thing specifically like nowadays is, is trying to get into 
just a little bit of deeper thinking. So I talked about how like I don't like we talked about the ape brain and get him into the ape brain, but also like bring him into a little bit of higher levels of thinking. Um, and I'm, I'm like, a, I'm a pretty big stiffler in my gym about like what questions you're asking uh, and what okay. stories you're talking about and like what levels of thinking we're having, because like we we do not ask like sets or reps or what the exercise is or anything like that. Like we kind of it's funny now because like if a new athlete comes in and they weren't paying attention during the start when we're covering the workout and another athlete like hears the mask it they just shake their head and like oh no here like <laughs> you're never gonna get that answer here um because it, it's like it's a like a, a lazy teacher like creates lazy students you know like and then not saying that it's a teacher student relationship but like i want better questions like i want us talking about something deeper deeper and bringing up just allowing yourself to have these conversations with these athletes and talk about maybe it's mental health talk about maybe stoicism talk about some philosophy talk about um shit maybe even politics and going into it like to just talk about different aspects of it and really like the number one thing that i try to preach to them in, in all of it is like there there is no expert there is no answer like let's have like a civilized like conversation let's bounce back ideas let's see where it goes um let's not be so stuck in one answer let's maybe a big thing like expose them to a little bit of history like okay like this is what you're saying. This is how that's looked in the past. Like, what do you think about that? And like, for the first time, just showing them a little bit deeper thinking, um, it pushes you as a coach to really like have pieces of information to draw from, to be interesting as a coach, to get them talking about things, um, that the, the keep chopping one, just show them that like, it, it's not going to happen a day. That's like, that's one of the big things like athletes will look at like a, a strength coach or look at anybody successful. And it's like, man, like they've done the same thing. Like they've done a program over and over and over again for 12 years. Like that's what I tell my athletes all the time. It's like, all right, here's the answer. You're going to lift heavy. You're going to run fast. You're going to jump high. You're going to play your sport. And then you're going to do that for 10 years. And then you're going to come back to me and ask the same question. Because after 10 years, if it's still not working, and it's, I promise you it's going to work, but uh, if it's still not working after 10 years, then we can have a conversation about something super special that you can add in. But that's that's not what we want to do. Like, we don't want to keep chopping wood. We want the we want a chainsaw. We want to z something down and like look at the tree fall and pretend like that's the answer. And like, holy crap, like this happened. Um, and then we want to deload. And then we want to peak and we want to feel good for a week. And we want to keep doing that for four years and become the same athlete that we were four years ago. Like I see so many athletes just go in this cycle of super high. Uh, we're going to go knees over toes. Oh, that didn't work. Okay. We're going to deload. We're going to reset. Uh, we're going to go West side. Okay. Deload reset. Okay. You're never really committing to something for long enough to like actually chop wood to actually make any progress, to actually do any of it. Um, and you're just kind of running yourself into this circle. So keep chopping wood is really big for us. Um, we talk about the flood and talking about how and this, this is more philosophical than anything, but it's like uh, we we have a we have a lot of athletes like mental health with athletes like it's it's mm -hmm. massive and like nobody wants to talk about it. It's like I I can't tell you how many athletes have came in talking about how they're depressed, how they're they're dealing with eating disorders, how um they've they've thought about taking their lives. Uh, like and, and we don't want to talk about that. Uh, and so we close it down. And you want to talk about sets and reps and things that are easy, and you don't open the door to that. Um, and I really I really preach to the athletes. It's like. Okay, like the flood is coming. Like in, no, no matter where you're at in life, either the flood is hitting the person right next to you that you're squatting with and having this conversation with that is smiling through all of it. Um, and that's one of the biggest things we talk about too is like the smile is like the biggest illusion for somebody that is broken. Uh, they, they'll smile through it. They'll give you the energy. Um, but when they're alone, they're they're going through some shit. 
Um, so everybody around you is going through something. Understand that, realize that, or you are the one that's getting hit by the flood and understand that you need to use other people's foundations. So we talk about building the foundation all the time. When, when other people are going through the floods, like you need to be, you need to have your foundation set enough. So when they're going through the flood, they can use you. They can use you as their foundation. They can use you as their life vest for this little bit. And when you're going through the, through the flood, you have to hope somebody else in your life has a strong enough foundation to stand on in that moment. But opening up those doors for that conversation is really huge. And having these athletes like really open up and really be themselves about this and talk about these things, you start to understand like it's, it's not. It's not like one or two athletes in a group of 100. It is probably 50 or 60 athletes, if not more in a group of 100. Yeah. And now it's something that's just not talked about. It's something that you're supposed to grind through. Um, and a lot of it is they don't have tools. A lot of them don't have tools to, to know what to do with that, to know what to do with like life. Like life is fucking hard. Like you, it doesn't matter. Like you were going to get punched in the face. Life is hard and they don't have tools for life is hard and they don't understand. Like nobody ever told them really that life is going to be hard. Um, and nobody told them that they are not alone in life being hard, which I think is really, really important. Because a lot of times when you're at that like deepest, darkest point, you feel stupidly alone. And you know, a lot of times it's like, why am I like this? How did I get here? Um, but we're not we're not really thinking about that. We just kind of feel that and we push it away. And in American football is really bad. I'm sure it is in other sports, too. But American football is really bad because then it's it's used. It, it's like, OK, that broken person is has this massive emotional bank of energy that they they hate themselves like they hate themselves every single morning they wake up they hate themselves i'm sure wrestling is very similar but they hate themselves and now that coach can use that to build a good football player they're not building yeah. a good human they're not building a good athlete they, they just see it as stupid like a, a massive emotional bank account and they're going to draw from it over and over and over again to make a really good football player so they can keep their jobs without any any like looking at where does that come from like i have never met anybody with a massive battery with uh like just somebody that's like oh shit like that person has it i've never met somebody like that that doesn't have massive demons pushing that battery that doesn't have massive demons yep. feeling that battery fueling that battery and we kind of we kind of just ignore that we build good football players and then they they succeed and of course they get all the awards and then what happens you know yeah. like have you built up that athlete to deal with that when it goes away when they're when they're um when their fuel source is um with depleted or their 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 outlet is gone have you have you talked to them about that have you used that no not really because that's not your job anymore because the four years is done with that athlete so really opening up lifelong conversations with these athletes rather than a four-year conversation, rather than the year that you get them for conversations. Um, lifelong conversations, showing your own faults, I think is huge. Showing your own struggles is huge. Um, and being a human with that other athlete, not trying to pretend to be this guru, not trying to pretend to be this, like, like this, this thing in American football too. It's like some of these coaches have height, like whatever. I, I don't really care about your degree, but like, let's say like you have a high school degree, like you really haven't lived that much life. You really haven't done that much. But now you're granted this massive title of coach and now you think you're a guru and now you think you have all these answers and you read maybe one stoic book or one philosophy book or you have a couple of YouTube clips to motivate your athletes. And now you're in this like guru like role with these athletes and you embrace it and you love it. And these you're leading these athletes down a cliff, man. You have no answers. You don't really know what you're doing. You you never really earned that role. You are another flawed human and you need to tell the athlete that 
and you need to have conversations with the athletes and you need to stop pushing and selling your own poison to make yourself feel good because it's going to burn the athletes. It, it's going to hurt the athletes and we're seeing it left and right all over the place. Um, and we, we need to admit that. Yeah. Well, it comes down to wanting to make connections and not just wanting results. Like you said, right? Not enough coaches, skill, strength, healthcare actually want to make a genuine connection with the person in front of them. You just see it as a means to an end. You want to make them better as an athlete. So many more people would be better served because there's only how many professional athletes in the world, less than 0.01% become a professional athlete so much better served and be, what are they as a person? How can I make them a better person? That's going to benefit them when they're a 40 year old accountant. Like really that's, that's most of what training should be geared towards as a high school athlete, at least to me is how can I make this person in front of me better? Not this athlete in front of me better. And it comes to having the conversations, being able to talk to these different athletes about like, oh yeah, they had a really rough test at school today. Like, uh, or they Hey, maybe their family at home isn't doing too, didn't doing too well and staying the extra 15 minutes and letting them vent in the treatment room or in the gym or whatever it may be and, and setting like a side time. But I just, that's something we're really, really, really big on at building a fighter is communication between coaches. So interdisciplinary, but then also with the athletes and a personal opinion of mine is the best way to make an athlete better is to have them trust you, you trust them. And then through that trust, you can try to make them a better person. You can try to help them along all of the different struggles and kind of like, think about like hiking, like ro- hop along the rocks to where they want to get to is yeah. at least my mentality behind it. Yeah, man. And the way I see that too, is like, it circles back to honesty, like honesty, vulnerability, like with your athletes and like being honest with yourself again, not, not pumping yourself up because, Hey, I'm the head coach, blah, blah, blah. Or, Hey, I'm, I'm strength coach. It's, it's being honest with yourself of not having the answers and, and understanding that like human beings operate better when they're in a holistically healthy place. I think we had this conversation yesterday or last week, Austin, about, the, the process and the environment that you're in is way more important than the exercises that you do, right? That stuff is what fuels your consistency. It fuels your enjoyment. It fuels, honestly, quite honestly, a lot of your results, right? And and I can see this a lot in the, um, God, what's that Apple TV show that I love? Um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, yeah. The Ted Lasso coaches. Uh, becoming a forgotten art, right? It's it's more playing the role of of either hardo coach or expert coach or whatever else, rather than genuinely being yourself and, and putting the athlete's needs, wants, health, mental health in front of success for the program, your own paycheck, whatever it is. So that's that's a really tough pill to swallow, I think, in, in today's industry of it's like how honest can i be with myself in getting these athletes to a great place whether it's exclusively for sports performance which to your point austin it shouldn't be it should be holistically and healthily in their lifespan so uh i guess when i say austin it can mean both of you so that's awesome <laughs> i know i looked up i'm like i don't think that was me well and one of the things is like i, I hear coaches they argue against the vulnerability and the humility and there's like because they say like they they need a leader in their lives they need a tough male like they, they need this yeah. uh and to me it's like then be a fucking leader like yeah. <laughs> be a leader in your life like you should not have to put on like i've seen it so many times it's like these coaches that they're going out drinking they're going out partying they're doing all these things but when it comes to time to practice like and you know and but they put on this mask of a leader because they think 
these kids need a leader. They need a real leader. They don't need what yeah. you think a leader is supposed to look like. They don't think that you think an alpha male is supposed to look like. Like, be a real fucking leader. And if that's who you are, then the kids are just going to, like, they're going to be there and they're going to watch that. They're going to see it. You don't need to yell to be a leader. You don't need Amen. to, like, pretend like all, like, you're just pretending. You're putting on a mask to do this. And the kids see the mask. You know you're wearing the mask. Like, Everything is fake. Like then, then, then the kids rebel. They're gonna do the same thing that you're actually doing, which is going on and drinking and doing these things and like, like what, whatever it is. Like it doesn't matter what your vice is, but I, I just see it used as an excuse every single time. It's like I'm not gonna be vulnerable. I'm not gonna like they don't need another friend. I hear that all the time. They don't need another friend. They they don't need another person to talk to. They need a leader. It's like yes, they do need a leader. They do need a leader, and you're not fucking it. Like you're not real. Like you're just putting on a mask and walking out on a football field with your whistle, pretending like that is leadership. That's not leadership. That's not like leadership is real it's just who you are leading your life watching and people can take what they want from it and leave what they don't want from it and go from there but it, it is not like that that's such a crappy excuse for like why you can't have a conversation with your athletes because they don't need another friend they need like they need this alpha male it's like that, that you're yeah. you're copping out so hard because you you aren't a leader yourself like you know you're not a leader deep down you know you're not a leader so you're not comfortable in being yourself because you know yourself isn't a leader and your job is a leadership role so that's something that i like if you want to call out any of the coaches it's like yeah, man, like the words you're saying is like BS. You're putting on a mask when you go to practice and pretending like you've earned something. Amen. Well, man. And my my least favorite part is when you talk about like the higher performing athletes, you almost feel like the higher performing athletes, like like the best player on the team, they might not have something going on or the coaches think that they're all put together. But then you read different books or like uh, what sticks out to me is we read Relentless as like a part of our book club one time. And and Tim Grover wrote that. And he talks about how like closers, which is what he talks about is that the higher performers on the field, they're typically the ones with the biggest dark side. They're typically the ones with the most going on, like what to what you were saying, where that's what propels them forward. And but these coaches are like, oh no, I actually I don't need to check in with this athlete because they're crushing it on the field. They're absolutely killing it. They're the star player, the MVP every game. When in reality, we should probably check on them because what's propelling them forward? If we know we're using angst, we're using uh like cyn- it's not cynicism in a way, but we're using their rougher past to propel them forward as an athlete, those are the people that need sports psychologists. Those are the people that that need some help. They need coaches that care because just because they have it together on the field does not mean they have it together in real life. And they probably have some demons that they need to talk about. But if you're not willing to listen, if you're not willing to lend your ear to them, then they're just going to keep propelling forward. And we see it time and time again. We see the Michael Jordans. We see the, the Tiger Woods. We see those elite athletes that have that dark side that if they could have talked to somebody instead of just people that were just propelling them forward to their goals, it might have ended up different. It might have ended up, it might have put four more years on Tiger Woods' career. Maybe he does break, what is it? Arnold Palmer has the record, I think. Maybe he does break the major record. Maybe if you have somebody that's able to make a sustainable like health plan around them, a sustainable mental health program, and just lend their ear, they can really benefit these athletes and it can propel them to even greater heights. But we don't see it like that. We see it like, oh, they're fucking crushing it. They're good to go. Let's keep going. Let's ride this train. And that's just, that's not the best way to do that because those people are the ones we got to check on. Yeah. Queen's Gambit had a good quote. It's like, like, and I'm sure it's all over, but this was the first time I heard a quote. It was like two sides of the same coin, you know, like the same thing, same thing feeling the greatness, the same thing, yeah. same thing feeling the other side. So Queen's Gambit, that's good. That's good. Um, That's a good movie or show to watch for, for any coaches out there because it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good, uh, view on what that actually looks like 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, when the darkness and demons actually fuel their performance. Um, but yeah, that's some shit I've been on with my own workouts is like slay the demons or like embrace them at least, right? Where like when I'm working out, it's not just running from my demons or trying to use them for fuel. Like I've changed my mindsets a little bit. It's like try and figure out what's going on in my own head and embrace that and then address it. And you can address it through physical means as well. Like I working out is one of my favorite hobbies to do and everything, as well as coaching. So it's like how can I meld that into like a little bit of like a, a therapy session, you know? And I think a lot of people do that, but they do that through like the, the running type of means where it's like, all right, I had a horrible day, you know, I'm feeling this anger in this and I'm going to take it out on the weights, right. Or I'm going to take it out on the football field. It's like, rather than that, like let's embrace it, like use those demons or see them for what they are, embrace them. And then we can work through them through this honesty and this genuine relationship as a, as a coach and athlete rather than just exploit them. Right. So I think that's, a, that's a huge point that you said. And, and back to what you were saying Austin, earlier, Austin, Austin Yoakum um, is like being a man leader, like embracing your vulnerability and like showing it to the world is a hundred times stronger. That makes you way more respectable human in my eyes than masking it and never showing any chink in your armor. And I think that's, that's something that that's hard to embrace for a lot of, guys that grew up in that alpha male culture that like grew up in the, you know, be tough or work harder type of mentality. But truly we just don't embrace them. We don't acknowledge those, those flaws because then it it would signal to myself that one thing's off. So everything's off. So the next thing's off. And then, and then I can't cope with who I actually am versus who I've been telling myself that I am. And I think that that's a really hard thing to do, but it's so necessary. Like you're saying in leadership roles to, help even these young kids understand and as mental health is is on the rise and, and that seems to be our next biggest threat to our upcoming generation it's like it's okay to be fucked up a little bit like everybody is at some point you know and that's really hard to accept when you're in a high performance setting and maybe you are that best player on the field all you've ever seen is success right and so that's what's continually expected and then it's like go home and there are those drugs or go home and there's whatever vice like you're talking about is there that just again we need that because i can't cope with the shortcomings in my personal life in my ex-life in whatever i'm just gonna do this to ignore it and then when i get to be playing football or when i get to doing martial arts when i get to beat somebody up that's when i'm gonna show out right so i think that's a really hard crossroads for coach to accept but it's going to be so beneficial for every single athlete that you're in contact with. And, and I I guess that just validates your point even more in, in my eyes. So I think that's really um, a significant point when we're leading some of these younger generations that again, like I've been through mental health. I'm sure Austin has, I'm sure you have Yoakum. It's like, it's just try and embrace that and really tackle it rather than continually run away from it. Cause it's going to catch up to you at some point, man. hundred percent. And Marcus Aurelius is uh, meditations is a really good book mm-hmm. to read on this too. Cause uh, one of my favorite lines from it is just like um, Alexander the great and his uh, mule driver are all going to end up in the same spot, you know? So it's like, yeah. like regardless of what you think, regardless of like who you think you are, another really good one from there is like the people that remember you are going to die. And the people that remember the people who remember you are also going to die. And the people that remember them are going to die until you're nothing, you know, yeah. like until you're nothing. Like, I mean, it takes three generations. Like, uh, my, my, one of my, um, best friends, Mark Dello, he's a, he's a big runner guy. He just ran from Duluth to Minnesota, which is like 160 or Duluth to, um, Minneapolis was like 160 miles in two days. He runs it every yeah. year. Um, but one of the things he asked is like, do you know your, uh, great grandpa's name? You know, like, 
even that far away. Like, and he did this poll and he's like 90% of people didn't know who their great grandpa, what their great grandpa's name was, you know? Um, and that's, that's really exposing too. It's like, okay, like that is your great grandpa. That's something that you actually have a connection to. And you don't remember who that person's name is that that's your direct lineage. And you don't remember their name. Like maybe some of this self-importance like can go away, you know, Mm -hmm. like maybe some of that, it's just, to me, it was, it was very freeing. It's like some of that can go away a little bit and you can just live your life. Um, because your 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 great grandkids aren't even gonna know your name, you know. Like like you yeah. stop stop thinking you're like yeah. the, the the bee's yeah. knees, you know. Like Freedom. at some point it, it's gonna go away. At some point you're gonna be buried in the ground. You're gonna go to wherever you believe in. Um, at some point it's gonna be over, but you are gonna turn back to dust. Um, and it it you need to take off the mask at some point. At some point before you get buried, you're gonna have to take off the mask. Man, yeah, that gives you so much freedom once you embrace that. I think I had that that realization when I was in college um, in a little bit of a different way. But um, I, I talked to Austin, Austin, <coughs> Austin, Shane and I were roommates throughout our whole college experience and wrestling teammates and everything. And like it was like as I was coming into college, I came from a real small town, rural Illinois. And, you know, I was you know great athlete at school, got all the grades, everything like this. And it was like. I came to college and I realized there's such a bigger pond out there. And I was such a small fish. And like the, the day or the minute, I, I can't remember the exact time, but I know it was in our apartment that we had. And it was like, I realized it's like, I'm, I'm probably not going to get written about in history books. It's like, wow. You know? And like, what a freeing thought, you know, and in the time it can hit a little hard, but it's like, then why can't I just, you know, live the life that I, that I imagine and make it really, truly meaningful. So I think that that's really important. And even Austin, one of your podcasts I was listening to recently, I can't remember if it was you or one of your guests, but they're talking about writing a book. And uh, one of you guys said, I'm trying to live a life worth writing about. And I think that was that was super significant in the sense of living your life and living your best coaching, um, I guess, true or um, authentic self. Dude, Austin. So I something I want just to switch it up a little bit. Sure. Something. Sure. I think you are crushing is the online training game. I love your website. I love all the programs you offer. Um, what what got you started on the online portion of everything? Yeah, um, really started to read. Um, this is this is a book. So business people make fun of this book all the time, and they're like it's a hacky book, <laughs> it's whatever. Um, and it's four hour work week. Um, and to me, it's 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 funny because it's like it's like all it's a lot of these basic books, and it is it is decently basic. Like, and, I mean, at the time, I'm sure it was game changing, but it, it's decently basic. Or like Gary Vee, they make fun of a lot of this. And it's like you're making fun of this without implementing any of the principles, you know? Like you're making fun mm-hmm. of this without anything. Like I just see so many of these, like especially like St. Thomas, the big business school, and you're like, yeah, Gary Vee, bro. Like, yeah, whatever. Like the the, the four hour, okay, bro. It's like, okay, like are you doing any of it? No, no, okay, you're not. You you don't have a business. Okay, okay, I see. Okay, you know, like you're making fun <laughs> of the you're making fun. It's like making fun of a a basic a basic lifting program without ever lifting and like it's so basic bro it's like okay well let let's start there you know so that that was one of the big eye openers for me it's like four hour work week okay stop trading time for money you know like you build a life that allows you to be free build a life that is scalable build a life that like you were not stuck somewhere that was the first time i was reading i was looking at the college sector i was reading four hour work week. i was looking at college sector like fuck like where does this go like where does this go this isn't scalable this isn't free like i'm always somebody's slave like this is never going to go away regardless of if i make it to the top the more uh the more money that i make in this role the more money that i make the more responsibilities i'm going to have the more job like wow that doesn't make any sense so that's i'm like okay i gotta find i gotta find something to do here like i gotta find a way to make this scalable and then the online stuff really started to take off and this was before 
um, like knees over toes had ever taken off or anything. But I started to see like, I think he had like 8,000 followers at the time. And I started to see what he was doing. It's like, okay, like that's pretty cool. I like that. And then uh, Jake Tura uh, started his hypertrophy clusters program. I was like, okay, kind of like that. And then I went through the process of like trying out all these online programs and taking what I like from it, taking the like knees over toes, like people shit on a lot of his stuff and like maybe rightfully so, but like, man, the dude can market, like the Hell dude can market, yeah, can. the dude can funnel go to his pro like go to his page and try not to buy his program bro like it's hard like he funnels you really really well he markets to you really well everything is super clean i'm like okay like that is something cool same with C- seedman man go to his website like look at all of his stuff he's doing um and these coaches like a lot of coaches are just so blind to like the business side of it and looking at the good that is there because they get so mad about the methods which like yeah okay but like you preach all this stoic stuff you preach all this and then you just get butthurt and won't take anything from anybody because you're mad about their methods <laughs> like they're making way more money than like both of them are yeah. millionaires man like yeah you know, we're we're taking this college salary of forty thousand dollars a year and they're you're making fun of a millionaire like dude dude that has million dollars on like tap and rolling through so that was that was really eye-opening to me is like okay like let's build a business here. Like, let, mm-hmm. let's make some money. Like my job, like my goal, like I started writing it out. I'm like, I, I don't want to work. I don't, I don't want to like, I like coaching, but I don't want to coach. Like I I, I want to sit on a beach. I want to play pickleball. I want to play softball. I want to hang out with people that I like. I want to read. I want to write. Um, Like that's what I want to do with my life. Uh, how can I get there? Um, And it's not being tied to a gym. It's not being ca- tied to a college. It's not being tied anywhere. So the goal is just freedom. So we started to build out this online program. Um, and started to build out this system, which is really, really big for us before it took us, man, like starting out, man, it was a pain in the ass. Like we had to build out a website, we had to build an app. Everything when we started was emails and Excel sheets. And then we had, we had to figure out a way to have the Excel sheets, have all the links in there. And like, we had to figure out it was such a pain in the butt. And one of the big things is like payments, like every single time a person wanted to buy a program, we didn't have an automatic payments, the system set mm-hmm. up. So like they had to, like you had to sell to them every single time. And I was looking at all these methods. So I really went deep into the business route and like looking at, okay, you want to, this is how you funnel. Okay. This is how you market. Okay. This is all a game. Okay. Like how, how can we play with some of this? Okay. This is starting work. This is your target audience. This is the, this is how once you get them, okay, you don't want to sell to them over and over again. You want to make the purchase once and then they, you want to make them have to make the decision to not buy your program again. So start up automatic payments, start that, get them in like a, get them into a community. That, that's one of the big things with the, the insider. Um, what Look at cults, like cults and religions. So like, okay, what do they do really well? Like give people a purpose, give people, people to hang out with, give them a name. Like we call them all insiders, you know, like that type of stuff. Like all of these small things make it fun. Um, we really started to build out this online program to be able to like it, it's systemized. It's fun. I, I believe we have a really, really good product, a product that we want to continue to build out and grow. And that was one of the big things too, is like when I started, I was like, I'm never going to sell out. I'm never going to do that. All that was, was insecurity in my products. Like I, I, I didn't think my product was worth it. So of course I was going to say, I'm not going to sell it. Now I think my product is worth it. So I'm going to like market it. Like I, I, I think it, it leads to great results for a lot of people. And I want to continue to push that. I want to continue to do that and give them that experience. But that's really our goal with the online online business and online part of it is like not be tied down anywhere, be able to make an income, be able to be free. There is money to be made in this field. Anybody that tells you there's not money to be made is full of shit. Like they're lying Mm -hmm. to you to keep you suppressed or they're lying to you to, they're lying to you because they don't make the money. You know, like that was big for me too, to realize that it's like, there is money to be made in this field. You can make a lot of it if you want. Um, and you don't have to be tied down or stuck anywhere. Uh, and that, that's kind of our goal with the online business. Hell yeah, dude. I had the same realization. I was on my honeymoon in St. Thomas and I was laying on the beach and I'm like, fuck, wouldn't it be really cool to be able to just program from here? 
<laughs> and I'm like, I was just sitting, I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. that's a hundred percent. That's what I want to do for the future. And I just, I love the systems. What kind of, do you use, sorry, I'm going technical on this stuff, but this is what gets me excited. Um, do you use like CRMs or anything like that? Uh, no, like, no, you just do it all uh, just from scratch. Basically yep, just reach yep, out to yep. people. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, and then what do you have your own like programming software or do you use like a true coach or like a So we we built out our own um we had a um website designer build out our own 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 app. Hell so yeah. so yeah. So the free to, again, that was another big piece of it too, because I was like, true coach, okay, that seems really nice. And I was like, man, like if this goes where we want it to go, like then you're then you're a slave to true coach, you know, yeah, like then yeah, you're a slave yeah. to whatever. Paying so it's like trying to like at the front end, be a pain in the ass on the front end, build everything out on the front end. A stupid amount of money on the front end to build that out um and now it's like okay now you're a slave to no one like regardless of it and i'm not saying true coach is bad for everybody or whatever but that was just my thought process with it is that if, sure. if it goes where we want to go i don't want to be stuck being the slave to now instead of the ncaa or a strength coach or whatever it is now it's true coach right it's yeah. like the concept of having instagram or having your own website yeah you're the slave to instagram if you only market there but if you have your own website and funnel people there you're good to go they're coming to your shit exactly <laughs> but yeah dude um alex what uh did you need to go well, i know you said you wanted to ask him about um going along with the online business and everything as well as that like we noticed the the level of guests that you have on your podcast and the, the oh, yeah. network that you've been able to create within yokum strength or, or from yourself we're wondering what uh I guess, what are your methods for that? What, How were you able to build that up in alongside with your business? Because in a lot of ways, I see Billion Fighter is, is going through some of those same steps that you had on the front end. Like right now we're building, we're trying to build our own app right now. We're, um, where was it? We're, we're still having people buy every time rather than having the auto payment. So it's like, I see us going through a lot of that, but like, what were your steps as far as just a network? Is it just like meeting people being yourself? Like, I, I guess that's what I would assume, but how did you go through that? Yeah. For the, for the podcast specifically, honestly, it was like a bunch of buddies and guests. And then, um, one time Jake Tura was, uh, just in Minneapolis. Like he just posted that he was in Minneapolis. This was like four years ago. And I reached out and I was like, hey, come dunk with me at or come lift with me at St. Thomas and come do a podcast. And that that's how I got like the first big time guest on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and from there, it just was like reaching out to people, getting shot. Like initially it was like getting shot down a bunch and rightfully so. Like this is the thing too. Like I'm starting to realize too, is like there, there's a lot of like podcasts. Like I was like, I would ask somebody to come on the podcast and be like a little butter when they like, like you wouldn't even get a reply or something like right. that. I was like, oh man, that sucks. But now it's like, you see, it's like, I've been on, I've done podcasts before with people that were, it's like, it, they don't even like make it to the point where they're posting it, you know, yep. like that, that, Damn. so it's like, okay, you're a big time coach. Like that's frustrating. You're for sure getting 20 podcast reach outs a week. And like, you know, like half the podcasts aren't even going to make, it's like, yep. especially during COVID COVID was a really big time. It was like, everybody was starting their podcast. It's like, okay, four of these are going to make, like not make it, but like four of these are just going to at least continue on survive. or at least make it to some survive something. So that would, that was like. That was big for me. It's like, okay, I understand why people are saying, no, I'm just starting out. So like longevity of it was nice just because people could look back and be like, okay, like this at least is not that it's going to blow up or anything on Yoakam Strength, but at least it's going to get posted. Like at least like my time's not going to be completely wasted. Um, another thing that was really cool is like, it's funny because it's like a lot of the coaches that I have on the podcast, they have consulting fees or they'll have like one hour consults for like 200 to like a thousand dollars. Um, and I'm like, okay, I don't, that's, that's pretty tough. But you ask them to come on a podcast and they'll, they'll say yes for free. So that, that's like one of the go-to things about podcasts. Like you get a free, three thousand dollars just to have these people and just have a conversation and make Hell a connection yeah. with a, with a coach, um, on the podcast and, and get them rolling through. Um, uh, and a lot of it's just like, 
drawing coaches into like your circle too. So it's, it's like you, you build up your community and now you have all these connections and now like you're posting content that coaches that like coaches that are high level are going to be connected with other coaches that are high level. So if you get the coach yeah. that you're already connected with to like your stuff or like they're sharing your stuff or something like that, then it's going to get out to this other network of like high level coaches and connections. So I've noticed that too. It's like one coach kind of leads to another coach kind of leads to another coach. Um, but then still some of it today is like cold, like cold reach outs. Um, yeah. And not that I'm trying to reach for bigger, bigger guests. It's like, it's just people that I'm interested in for the most part. It's yeah. Like, yeah. like, it doesn't matter how, how many followers or any of that. It's like a lot of times, a lot of times the followers are, this is tough too, because a lot of times followers are a good indicator of something like they're succeeding in some regard. They know how to tell their story. They're personable. Yeah. Like sometimes like you bring on a person that, and this is tough. It's like, you bring on a person that doesn't have a lot of followers and they come on the podcast like that's why you don't have a lot of followers yeah. like you are you're really smart you're really knowledgeable but you don't know how to tell your story or you don't know what your story is um so my goal is to find people that are going to have a lot of followers they just don't yet like those yeah. are the best podcast guests yes um medicine through movement uh that was probably the probably the biggest like example of that it's like like the dude is going to blow up like he's he's a genius he's a very he knows how to tell a story he's super interesting um he has totally different insight on like training he just hasn't made it yet just because it takes time like it's just yeah. same same as us like it just takes time to be able to build any of that so it's like that's kind of my goal with guests is looking for people that don't ha that haven't made it yet but are going to but again that's also hit or miss because a lot of times maybe it is just like they're not <laughs> going to make it and this is why but i just go to pages that i find like that are interesting to me that i'm like okay this is kind of cool this is this is this is that this is okay i could steal from that like let's have a conversation about this um and now kind of looking for like maybe the next evolution of the podcast i'm, I'm I probably want to get into a little bit more of the business side and this is more selfish like what i'm interested in yeah. maybe a little bit more of the business side maybe a little bit more of the house side a little bit more of um Diff different avenues of just kind of trying to like learn myself like that that's the biggest thing with the podcast i'm sure you guys know too it's like 100 how much smarter yeah. i've got since having the podcast it's actually insane oh, like God, it does God. not I, all of my podcasts could get zero listens and make zero money and make zero program sales and it would still be worth it just because mm -hmm. like having the conversation like holy shit that's a really good idea i'm gonna write that one down and like explore yeah. that and and just like my i look at my brain and look at my training before the podcast and now i'm like I go through and I, like a lot of times I'll go through and like come up with an idea. I think I came up with, I think it's great. I'm like, wait, you're an idiot. That was just a podcast you had two years ago that the dude said the same <laughs> thing. Like, it's like, you never came up with that, bro. Like you just had this dude on your podcast and you forgot about it. So but I'm a genius, but I'm a genius. Yeah. So, so that's uh, the, the podcast, the podcast, man. It, it, it's pretty cool. I, I, I'm a big fan of it. Oh shit, man. Yeah. One of my biggest lessons from doing this podcast and we're only maybe 120 episodes in or whatever is like, I was always self-identified as this like introvert, right? It's like, I'm going to want to talk to you unless there's a reason that I should talk to you or whatever. Like just doing this podcast. And a lot of the times it's just Austin and I just riffing back and forth. It's like, it's taught me a lot of just like sociability and like how to carry on a conversation and like, how to be better in that regard of, of like you're saying, like telling stories, which is, you know, the next thing that we're about to do on Instagram is like tell our story a little bit better and everything like that. Or at least for me personally, that's one of my goals. But uh, but no, I, I love that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The communication aspect that you mentioned, man, it's like uh, I, I especially initially and I'm, I'm still not a great talker, um, right. but I can talk a lot. It does not mean that I'm a very clear, uh, precise talker, but I used to listen to podcasts, man. I would have words that I would go over and over again. And I, I would like, I couldn't do silence. Like I didn't like silence. I felt like I needed to feel that. So I'd going back and listening to your podcast, 
that was something that really changed everything because I was like, oh boy, like I do not want to listen to this. Like this sucks. <laughs> and if I don't want to listen to this, nobody wants to listen to this. So changing some of that too was really eye-opening for me to work on that communication aspect. I know. I I, I listened to everyone and like the last couple of weeks, I'm like, oh shit, I cut Alex off. Like I counted one of the episodes. I'm like, I cut Alex <laughs> off like 11 times in that episode. Do I do that in real life? Every time I oh, talk yeah. to somebody, I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. fuck, I got to change it about myself. <laughs> and immediately that's what I've been focusing on the whole time. Like the last couple of weeks, just don't cut people off. Just let them talk. Yeah. And I, I love it. I love podcasting. It gets me all excited and shit. It's fun. It's <laughs> fun for sure. Um, but awesome. Yeah. We, we just have a couple uh quick hitter questions at the end, but that's really uh, what we have planned for the podcast. Um, first one, and you mentioned a little bit of this earlier. You, you, you mentioned a couple of books. I think when we were talking about Eight Brain, but um, books that you recommend, books that have had a huge impact impact on your life, maybe to athletes, maybe to young strength coaches. Um, why don't you take it from there? Let's go. Uh, let's list a couple. Twelve Rules for Life. Um, again, another basic one, but basic in quotations, like a lot of people know it, but not a lot of people implement it. Um, a lot of people mm-hmm. talk about it. Not a lot of people read it. Um, it's kind of like the super training of like the philosophy world. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, everybody says they have it. Everybody says they read it, <laughs> but I look at your life. I'm like, you haven't read it. Like you haven't implemented anything. That's a really good one. Um, let's go another, maybe one that's not as well known. The beginning of infinity. That's a really, really good one. That one's freaking deep. That one will make you feel really stupid in a lot of parts. Um, I like reading books that make me feel stupid. Um, But that one's all about uh, the power of knowledge and how if it's physically capable of being done, it will be done. We just don't have the knowledge required to do so. Um, And that's where I think the strength conditioning field is at 100%. Um, More of a fun read maybe is Fingerprints of of Gods by um, Graham Hancock. That one's really good for you to put yourself in the place and understand like we don't have the answers. Uh, A lot of what we even think we have answers in in fields that are much older than ours, we don't have the answers. Um, And politics have played a role in all of these fields that are much more established than ours and leaders and people that wanted their ideas passed on have played... um, played more roles in what the action than what the actual truth is and um understanding there are no experts um that was a really really good one for for that and just a totally different realm of things yeah. um and then um uh maybe maybe just meditations was it was a really good stoic one and then um for the strength conditioning world how we learn to move is a book i've been giving pretty much to every single athlete that i can and every single coach that i can i think it does one of the best jobs of describing the constraint-led approach and differential learning approach and just all skill acquisition in a way that's not going to put you to sleep like it's the first book that i've read like that that is not study i mean there's studies in there there's everything but like you can read that book and be like okay this is not boring this is super interesting this is what's happening these are studies all the way through and real life examples that i think is super freeing for a ton of athletes oh yeah dope um and then my only last question i have too which i'm just kind of personally interested in quite honestly if you hadn't found your way in strength and conditioning if you haven't had that how what else would you be doing with your life or own your own business what what other vocation or what else would you be doing with your life uh i think it's still probably going to be on my pathway but i do want to write a book uh so probably like authorship something to to write about uh strength conditioning is just a skill set that allows me to get my writing out there like that's what i use it as like my gym is just a front for my writing um (laughs) like that that's all i really want to do i geek out about reading and writing um so it'd be it'd be something in those regards of just being an author and reading and writing i used to write a bunch of like as a kid i would write a bunch of sci-fi uh, sci-fi um like harry potter type stuff so i'd probably oh, yeah. go more that right route if i wasn't if i sort of have success as sport with sports and started to realize like girls don't care about nerds um in, in like middle <laughs> school and high school so i'm like shit i gotta like change this and then like 
I get to college and I'm like, okay, nerds can slay too. So like, I, I need to go back to just being a nerd uh, and be all right with that. But uh, it for sure would have been some Harry Potter, Harry Potter type stuff writing about that. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Love it. Love it. Austin, you got anything? That's what I got, my man. I thought that was killer. Cool, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, Austin, for jumping on. And it's ironic you were talking about earlier, but that was just an Instagram kind of cold call. So I really appreciate you jumping on and sharing your story and sharing everything. Um, so you want to shout out, I guess, if people listen to the podcast, they want to contact you, they want to figure out what you're all about. Um, how would people reach you? How would they find your stuff on Instagram, et cetera? Yeah, first off, thanks thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. Oh, yeah. This is one Heck of the yeah. this conversation like just rolls. I, I like these conversations, like where it's not stiff, it's just we're just talking about things. But uh just Instagram Austin Yoakum. Uh, all yeah. all of it's just Austin Yoakum. If you want to find me, find me. If you don't, don't we'll go from there. <laughs> nope, easy. Um my name's Alex Friedman. With me is Austin Shane. And our special guest, Austin Yoakum. So we are out. Boom. Oh.